Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Brandy J. And this is my show, Voices of Courage Unite. And to kick off our 2021 year, I have with me an amazing guest and author. And her name is Margaret. Well, Margaret O'Connor, but Margaret is here. And welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Brandy. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, such a pleasure. First, let me start by asking you, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Okay, that's, that's, that's good to hear with the craziness in this world. So it's always oh, a pleasure to hear. <laughs> okay. Well, Margaret, you um, have an amazing story to tell here. And first, I just want to, um, if you can briefly let our listeners know, um who 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 is Margaret and what what is Margaret's purpose? If that makes sense at all, like oh yes, yes. I'm a regular uh, lay Catholic. We refer to as uh, lay Catholics. Your everyday Catholic that sits in the pews. And from the time I was little, I grew up back in the fifties. I was told basically there never were any woman priest in the history of our church. So, I mean, that sounds like, well, that's it. Well, through the years, I, I kept hearing that uh, the opposite, that indeed there were women priests. And I think as you get older, you start to, you know, examine your life and your beliefs. And I thought, I'm going to get to the, the bottom of this. And first of all, I just want your audience to know that my book is factual in nature. Uh, I wrote a book called Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mother Mary. And I'm referring to Jesus's mother, who was indeed a woman priest called Mary Priest. But before I even found this fabulous uh, information out, I was basically on a quest, if you will, to find out was there or wasn't there a woman priest within our uh, Catholic Church's history. And when I started to get into reading uh, other author, authors who really did the hard research, uh, the biblical research, yes, and it wasn't just woman priests. There were actually woman bishops, woman deacons. Well, I'll tell you, when I found that out, um, that really hit me hard because um, you have the realization that you have been lied to. Yeah. And it used to be, I mean, back like <laughs> in the 50s, 60s, um, that was before the uh, sexual abuse issue had really arisen uh, within our church, that what you were told, you know, you pretty much believed. And that's really what made your particular faith wonderful, because uh, obviously, no matter what denomination uh, you belong to, there are like a set of rules. And in our case, it's uh, like a tradition that has been passed down uh, from Jesus, you know, down through the centuries and up to our present day. Well, when I had that realization, look, I've been lied to. I've been betrayed by my church. That did 
really hit me. And uh, I had to decide, what am I going to do? Am I just going to be resigned to the fact that, yes, there were women priests and they're keeping this hidden? Uh, or is there some way perhaps I could get this word out to uh, fellow Catholics? And basically, I'm, I'm on a quest, Brandy, here, not only in the United States to start a conversation on this, but as well worldwide over in Europe, because there's so many Catholics that, uh, let's face it, if you've never heard the truth on something, then you don't even know there's an issue out there. So right. that's uh, really been uh, <laughs> keeping me busy. But uh, I really believe any woman, whether it's in the Catholic Church, any Christian church, they deserve at least the truth from their uh, their hierarchy, from their elders. Yes, that's true, and that you're such a uh, you're so courageous for for doing that because you're right. If we don't know that there's truth, you know, to be told, and that means that we're being told a lie, then we won't know until somebody, you know, says something. No, and it's so many people here, woman priest, and obviously within the Catholic Church, um, we as women don't have like role models of uh, women uh, priests, bishops, or, or, or deacons like they do in other uh, church denominations. And for a man, obviously, there's no problem from the time you're little. You're seeing priests, you're seeing bishops, cardinals, and Within the Catholic Church, after uh, baptism, um, both a boy or a girl, obviously, they can receive communion, they receive confirmation, um, the Holy Spirit. But then there's almost like a division, a line there. And if a woman gets a calling from God to serve and she wants to be a woman priest, well, within the Catholic Church, there's nowhere to go. Uh, that just is totally denied. So for a woman, your religious heritage, in a sense, you've been denied that. Whereas with a man, they always have been able to answer that call. And within a family, uh, maybe Uncle Christopher is a priest. Uncle Sean is a cardinal. Um but so many times the church will say, no, we can't have a woman priest because this would be starting something new. But if you go back in the actual early history of our church, there actually were women in these priestly roles. So, yes, it might be starting something new in the sense that we've never seen a woman up on the altar but that tradition is there and it was there until the actual, like the early church fathers uh, completely took that away from them. And how they did that was they started uh, a church law called canon law. And this is all man-made. Jesus had nothing to do with canon law. And boy, were they ever clever. One of the caveats was that if you were a woman, you could not be up on the altar. So obviously, any woman at that time that was a priest, a bishop, or 
uh, deacon, anything like that, uh, that was the end of their uh, religious roles. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it, there's even more um, people will say, well, isn't there biblical reasons that a woman can't be priest? There are five biblical reasons, but here's the kicker. Behind each one of those reasons, it's been proven through biblical research that they are not biblical, but rather they're cultural prejudice. And uh, the first one is uh, you've heard that women were not made in the image of God. And men at that time had to remember they were had dominion over women. They were in charge of women, and they basically, you know, saw woman as really nothing. And in their minds, I guess they just couldn't conceive how could a woman ever be made, uh, you know, in Jesus's image. And then uh, also there was the belief that a woman shouldn't be teaching out in public. And believe it or not, there was a common law. And that common law said this particular condition of woman being feeble-minded uh, and low mental intellect, it was more prevalent, of course, in women than men. And then also women were believed to carry Eve's sin. And this goes way back to Genesis. And again, this is cultural prejudice. And we also hear... Um, Basically, the one story of Jesus alone um, sending out the 12 apostles, picking those 12 apostles. But in biblical research, a woman uh, called Ida Ramming, she discovered there was also, uh, they called it the uh, concept of apostleship, and that anyone could be an apostle if they were officially and divinely sent out by their particular community. So this gives more credence when you hear the uh, other a woman apostles beyond Mary Magdalene. Um, Susan, there were all the, the woman at the tomb. There was uh, Nino. And then this uh, Junia for years was believed to be a man in the latest biblical research uh, says, no, this was uh, a woman apostle. But when you're only hearing that one side that Jesus alone picked the apostles, but it really, you know, gives credence to that fact that there were other woman apostles. And again, with Jesus picking 12 men, uh, there was like this assumption right away, there can't be, uh, he didn't want any woman priest, whether it was right then or into the future. But if you look back then, the, the cultural uh, history of uh, ancient Israel was purely patristic. And I think Jesus really knew this wasn't going to fly, picking uh, 12 women uh, to be in there. No, no way would that ever go. And then lastly, Jesus, of course, was a male, so that we have to have a man on the altar uh, at the consecration. But basically, these five points that have always been referred to as biblically are indeed culturally in nature. So my question is, why 
hasn't the hierarchy with this new research, why haven't they changed that and come out with some sort of a statement? They, they basically, they want nothing to change. Yeah, nothing at all. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that speaks value. And some people might think, no. oh, wait a minute, here's this, who's this lady? She, all she's doing is giving it to the men. But there are different commissions within the church, and the Pope has his own commission and it's called the Pontifical Biblical Commission. And back in 1976, they came out with an astounding statement. From their findings, they said there is no reason why women can't become priests. Well, hello, I mean, this is 2020. They've done nothing. Okay, let's jump back two years to 1974. And there was an uh, International Theological Commission, and they were looking into the uh, question of woman um, deacons. And what they found from these Greek documents was uh, whether it was a man or a woman, they were both on the altar in the presence of a bishop. He would uh, lay hands over them while he was officiating in prayer. Uh, a stole was placed around each of their necks. And as well, they each received the cup. And the women back then were called deaconesses. So there would have been no need for the present Pope Francis back in 2016 to uh, initiate a new commission to look into that question. Um, I see this as very deliberate and very calculating. The hierarchy has the information that, yes, there were women deacons. They have the information that, yes, uh, there were, were uh, there's women priests in our history. But more importantly, with their new commission, it's saying that there's no reason why women today can't be priests. And lastly, um, there was um, Vatican II. And... When this convened, they had different uh, constitutions in it. And one was the Constitution on the Church in the Modern World. And Article 29, in so many words, they wanted to eliminate all a prejudice discrimination, whether it was sexual, whether it was racial. Well, uh, what's happened with that in regards to women? Women are still discriminated against. Where is their equality? Oh yes, very much so. It's, it shows that there's a major a major threat there and that the woman plays a more of a role than we even know ourselves. And we've been, you know, no matter what race, we've all been like kind of suppressed, you know, oppressed and told that, you know, we didn't mean too much. To this day, women really don't know how valuable and how much of a, how none of this would even be happening, you know, if it wasn't for women. I think women have been deceived the most out of any creature on this planet. I, it, it is totally unreal. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, well, okay, how did this, the tables get 
so turned for woman. Well, if you go back into the early uh, church history of the Catholic Church, um, there was a man, John Wingsgards, that wrote a book, uh, The Ordination of Woman in the Catholic Church. And he basically said back at the time of Rome, uh, we all know they had the huge army, they had this, you know, huge money, power at that time. Well, they uh, started like their own civil laws. And what happened was the Latin speaking theologians in the Catholic Church, uh, John Winsgard said, they basically shaped their law around this Roman law. And the Roman civic law wasn't that friendly to women. So you figure the way they treated women, there was like this preconceived way with their laws that they looked at women. Well, now you have church uh, theologians taking some of that law and shaping it into church law. Well, let's face it. I mean, then the woman, their, their views of women already have been aren't equal with the Roman civic law. And now they're taking that same awful law and, and making it into church law. So from the very early uh, centuries of the church, the church fathers obviously had distorted views of women. And that goes into um, some of the canon lawyers. There was a Peter Damien, and you have to remember, back in the uh, church, they saw women as not only inferior, but they saw them as well as being unclean. And I'm talking in connection with a woman's monthly period. They had such revulsion to that thought that Jesus had to come out through his mother's birth canal and covered with her blood. I mean, they were just disgusted over that. So now let's take that same idea of this unclean blood. And if a woman, had, if it was during that part of the month, and well, she couldn't be up on the altar. They used that almost as another excuse why a woman could be priest, couldn't be priest. But getting back to this uh, Peter Damien, he was saying that uh, if there was a dog outside and somehow he got in contact with the blood, he would go crazy. Uh, if you had like silverware in your house, that would tarnish. Uh, the mirrors would crack or outside uh, your plants would wither. I mean, this was just total uh, craziness. And then there was another canon lawyer and they really made all women out, uh, so many women out as like harlots and prostitutes, and they called them she-wolves, and they called them night owls, and you name it, uh, they called them that. But this is the, the context of their uh, unbelievable thinking that was, you know, keeping women down. So you had that from the early centuries and then up through the Middle Ages, and then, of course, those five biblical points, which weren't biblical, but again, more of this awful uh, cultural prejudice uh, against women. So you had all these factors over the years 
um, shape this. And when you look at Jesus, he had women with him when he was doing his ministry. And who's, yeah. I mean, let's face it, back at that time, someone had to prepare meals for them. And that's another big thing that you hear about um, the Last Supper, that at the Last Supper, there was only men there. There weren't any women. And in other words, again, there was this assumption, preconceived idea. Well, you know, Jesus uh, didn't want a woman there. You know, if they were going to be a part of like being able to be uh, a priest, they weren't invited to this. But yet the biblical research says that uh, the Last Supper was actually a Seder meal. And if you go back in the, in the history, uh, that meant that there would have been the fam whole family would have been there, the mother, the father, the brothers, sisters, relatives, whatever. And uh, this one sister, uh, Miriam, I think her last name was Winner. Uh, this was funny. She was giving this illustration and she said, do you mean to tell me uh, at the Last Supper, if Mary came and knocked on the door, Jesus would answer the door or, yeah, and say to Mary, oh, Mary, I'm sorry, you can't come in. I'm, I'm having a meal with the guys tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that is funny. <laughs> they take all these things to mean one thing when they actually are taken totally out of context and it's, it's been proven with this biblical research. And that's why I want the listeners to know how can anything change unless, in this case, in the Catholic Church, um, the everyday Catholic woman has to realize that, yes, you have every right to be up there on the altar. There is this past history of woman priest. And yes, it would be something that's going to be completely new. But we have to bring that history back into our lectionary. Yeah. You know, so much that we could well, do. And you look at today, um, this whole issue with the priest shortage a woman would be able to get right in there and, um, you know, help to start filling up that awful uh, pre-shortage gap. Yeah. Well, clearly there's an agenda there and they don't want the woman to uh, come and help because if she helps, then... There might be some exposure there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I, they don't want any opening. <laughs> they, they, because they just, yeah. they really, literally, they have closed this whole issue down. Uh, if people aren't aware yeah. of it, well, then they don't have the uh, press hounding them because they've come out and said, look at women were never priests. So, in other words, the uh, insinuation that this isn't, um, even an issue. And that's what I run into when I pick it. Um, 
um, woman will say, you're lying, stop lying, go to that other church. And then they'll say, well, wait a minute, if there were women like you're saying, well, then why uh, don't we ever hear any of them uh, in the homilies? I mean, that's an excellent question, but obviously the whole thing has been shut down completely. And that's why they've never, um, you know, heard of this. And until the hierarchy is made accountable for what they're doing, in this case, what they are not doing, they are in the driver's seat. And literally nothing is going to change. Yeah, that's true. So, Margaret, let me ask you. So, if what does it look like for the um, for them to be held accountable? What would that actually entail? Who who would be the one that one addresses, or that you know? Because I know there's di- different um, religions and faith that uh, things are done differently. You know, so how would that look if? you were able to hold them accountable, who would be that one? Is there that specific one that makes the uh, the decisions, you know? Uh, I, I like, know, what I know what about? you mean. The Pope would have to make the decision, but as far as, like you said, who would be the one that would make them accountable? I want the whole Catholic laity. You need great numbers of Catholics coming out and writing letters to the Pope, um, picketing. Uh, In other words, there has to be some pressure on the hierarchy to make them look into this issue. And nothing is going to move them uh, if no one is really saying uh, anything, you know, about the issue. And of course, right now, there's so many Catholics that don't even know that, you know, this is an issue. But my, uh, one of my former uh, priests, uh, since deceased, uh, Father Stanton said, uh, all it would take would be the stroke of the Pope's pen. And this would very easily uh, be changed. But getting back to this issue of change, that the issue of women's equality, this isn't even on um, the Catholic Church's hierarchies uh, radar. And back in 2010, when our uh, present Pope uh, Francis, he was a cardinal, he came out with a book, and it was called On Heaven and Earth. And in there, he made a comment that basically the uh, woman feminist received uh, all their rights back when women received the right to suffrage. Well, that's 1920. You mean to tell me since 1920 that the women have have absolutely no issues today? But I mean, seriously, take that issue and um, leave the public realm and put it back into the Catholic Church. These men, the Pope, and as well the other members of the hierarchy, they have no conception that women's inequality is should even be an issue so i mean that's what we are against 
they have no, uh, no. they feel there's no need to address anything, you know, and it, it's just unreal. I mean, today, you know, 2020. Yeah. That sort of thing, yeah. it's really <laughs> frightening. And it is very frightening. And for these people to have such a high position in power, you know. That's yeah, just, and, and to crazy. know, like I said, they've just swept the findings from those different commissions in Vatican II right under the carpet. So there is no excuse mm. why a woman can't be priest. It's just that they do not want women to be priest. Yeah. So the best way to keep her from being priest is to uh, program her thinking, to, to, to think that she doesn't even have, that that's not even something to you could even fathom. That's just not how it's done. You know, just plain and simple. Yeah. You know, versus uh, calling it a women's equality, like, you know, and have a feminism group, like, we can do it too. You basically, it's such, you know, with certain religions, it's so sacred, you know, and, and you can't manipulate people with the, with you know, with their, with the faith and, and your, your belief, you know, and you take, they take those things and, um, you know, they know how our minds, they're very, very crafty and they're manipulative and they trick our minds. I tell people it's all in our, how our brains are wired, you know, and they know exactly what to say and what not to say and how to get us to uh, conform to it until, you know, and they hide it away until somebody, you know, gets to digging around. Yeah. And you're right. They are crafty. Um, Whenever anyone brings the issue up, a woman's priest, a woman's ordination, they're going to use two words. They bring into uh, the discussion the word power. In other words, like an insinuation, well, the woman only wants to become a priest because she wants power. Instead of realizing it's the woman's right. own spirituality. Never been met, mm-hmm. and she exactly. only wants to... Uh, which she has every right, should have every right to follow through with. And then you'll hear the word feminist. Almost like they Mm -hmm. know there are so many other Catholic women that that take that word and, and, and I don't know, they just take it the wrong way. And just right away... Yeah. any thought of them being a priest? Well, if, if they hear something about feminism or something, well, that's it. That's, uh, the discussion has ended. But, you know, they are very crafty because they will uh, bring that up, those two words, uh, into the discussion. Yeah. Because, you know, throughout the throughout time, you know, with women, it's and it's even coming more to the light now that you're speaking about this. Is that no matter what race, culture, or whatever time women have been, um, it's like if we want to do something or or we, it's like we're bossy. Oh, yeah, we just want to take power. over, like you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that definitely that makes a lot of sense, you know. It's like oh, they can't, they just want to just do it. It's like no, we probably will do it correctly. We'll do it right because we're nurturers, you know. We would be the heart of a of a place, you know, wherever we decided right. to to flourish at. You know, I mean, for goodness sakes, we bear, we, you know, give birth. When people take a look at what a woman 
does does and what she resembles we are we have a lot <laughs> to deal with but yet with such grace and and strength you know that we could still be so loving and i think that's like why they to, to steer us away because that's not what they want going <laughs> want to happen <laughs> so you know they i mean even look at away. it presidents <laughs> Yeah. I mean, look, no women president. So, you know, that's even something, too. It's like, huh? What's that about? That's intentionally. I, I know wholeheartedly that's that's intentionally. It's, it's like a man ran uh, world. Yeah. You know, and it's like a woman would be the change to. A, is that the answer to a better world? It's just well, I, I really believe, it, you know, I mean, been the woman Catholic priest that the the current sexual abuse issue would have never got to the extent that it currently is if there were, you know, a woman around. Yeah, that's a whole other uh, Mm -hmm. uh, can of worms. But I did want to remember to mention that Mary, I said Mary, Mother of God, she was called Mary Priest, but her title was the model for all priesthood in the Catholic Church. And someone, a lot of women will say, wait a minute, how can Mary be a priest? Well, at Jesus's conception, Mary was anointed. She received the same spiritual anointing from the Holy Spirit that Jesus did. And after Jesus, she is a high priest. And The church, in fact, came out back in 1854 with the term Immaculate Conception. And in order to uh, give that title to Mary, they had to prove that indeed she was a priest. So they went to uh, Hebrews uh, 7.26, and it says, isn't it indeed fitting that she is a high priest? So if there's any like idea that she maybe oh you're saying she's a priest because uh, it's like more of an honorary title you know she was jesus's mother no mary was actually a woman priest and john winsgards mentioned she was a sacrificial priest she did everything that any other male priest uh would have done and of course this is denied woman you know that we can't uh be included uh, in that. But one thing that really upset me was out of the 2000 years of Catholic Church history, back in 1927, the Catholic Church removed that title that I mentioned. They took away that title from Mary, Mother of God. And I thought, what are these men doing? I mean, well, then John Winsgaard's mentioned, like, isn't it a coincidence uh, that during that same time period, there were women from other faith denominations, they themselves also wanted to become women priests. So, I mean, there's the thinking there, and it really makes sense. If something, uh, when something's taken out of the church, it's, it is basically like buried and forgotten. But 1927, up to 1927, Mary, a mother of God, uh, had that title. 
And back in 1903, um, uh, Louis XIII received uh, a painting of Mary, Mother of God, and was able to hang that painting. Yet in 1913, the church denied that. So you can see how things are starting to change, you know, in regards yeah. to Mary. But the thing that really um, I was upset about was when they took the title away from Mary over in Rome, they had some um, newspaper there, obviously, do a little article about this. The way this Roman official was referring to Mary, it is good that this question is put to sleep. Uh, we appreciate the way um, you mentioned it. It's like Mary is some innate object that they're referring to. And I have a petition on my mm. site. And I really would like uh, your audience to go over there. It's at uh, yourradicaltruth.com, yourradicaltruth.com. And, you know, it's your conscience. If you would look it over, please. And if you agree with the points, I really would appreciate you signing it. But it does mention on there, I want um, our Pope Francis to bring back that title of Mary Priest. And uh, especially uh, in consideration of the way it was, that title was taken away from Mary in such a disrespectful way. Uh, also, it deals with uh, women's equality in the church. Uh, if you are a husband, a brother, and you have a sister, and you think this is wrong, the way she's treated, and it's not only for Catholics to sign, uh, it's for any Christian, anyone uh, of any faith, um, if you, you know, believe that this is wrong, uh, I would really appreciate that because I am working to get large numbers here so that this can be presented to Rome and to finally make them wake up and see that this is a very uh, important issue within the Catholic Church. Yeah, very much so. Um Wow. So from, from what, where do you come from in all of this? What What is your view? And um, maybe you could fit some of the pieces of the puzzle together when it comes to the Catholic Church and then Christians and the, uh, the, the various um, tales, I would say, of who Jesus Christ was. And, and you know, to this, to this very day in 2021, actually, there was a, a video I watched earlier there's all these different um, versions of of Jesus. He was a a man of color. He they changed him to white. From uh, he just darn right down doesn't exist. That um, the white man made him up to control us. You know all these different things. One couldn't be very surprised that so many people can be deceived or confused or just given up or not even interested in trying to. You know follow follow god because of what you know what satan has basically <laughs> ha has done but uh how do you connect those dots and how does someone that's you know even someone that's strong in their faith that's uh 
Oh, yeah. It's like it does. Like it, it doesn't exist for them. That's just how like un, unimportant it is. You know that they. So you just imagine how how much force would be there if this came to light for them and they had to to deal with it. Or who's to say it hasn't in some sort and they just kind of ignored it? Like what? Who? Who? Who's that? <laughs> you know, like you don't give it any attention; it'll go away. Like, don't give it any negative, good, and bad, or that, That's how it's it been at all. You know, just like totally you, ignore it because they they had the foresight, uh, you know, centuries ago to say, "No, this never existed." And you might think I mentioned earlier about it's true if if things are no longer uh, in use in the Catholic Church, well, then obviously they're no longer commented, so they commented on so they do become um buried and this is ex- uh, the exact thing that you know with this issue how it was never it, it just never was so uh they go on their merry way yeah and mm-hmm. obviously to get enough people not to to speak about it you know and just make it go away. You have to imagine that how they were able to do that. Some willingly, probably some, you know, through you know fear. And uh, that's that's that has to change because um, it's all mental. And uh, I always think whatever the outcome is going to be, but God, if we have our faith, He He will protect us, and He will you know see it through. But when we do what His will is, basically. And uh, I don't know. It's just, this has gone on for way too long. Like, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm tired of being lied to. <laughs> you know? It's like, we, there's people that, you know, that we trust in. You know, I've always trusted it. I knew, you know, the devil can work through man. But still, we trust in people and, and they try to guide you in the right, give the right direction. And they're the ones deceiving you the whole time. And it's like, how does that work out for you? <laughs> you know, you're trying to teach me to of being righteous and, and doing the right thing, but yet you're no, it's over man. Right. Uh, a religious uh, organization of all people. You know, we talk about like uh, hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this would be the epitome oh, of being blasphemous, right? Blasphemy. Oh man, Whew. people are not aware and are not going to be ready. But we have to do what our purpose is. And um, and getting back to that, I I know why this is a. I know, you know, time is almost up, and you know, you're always welcome um, back on the show at any time. But I know. You know, reading your story and all too, why this is such um, a passion for you is because you've got a second chance. You know, at life, I read your story and um, and you took that and you said you weren't basically. You, you, it could. Well, I'm just gonna say that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I guess you would. I, it's safe to say that you, you're doing this because of that second chance from your illness and because of your sister. So you want you're doing this. Because you know that this is what he would have wanted yeah, for you. It's, and it's just something else that I do have a, a second opportunity, you know, with my life. And it, it really, um, 
gives you a whole new perspective. And you, you see things clearer. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, time yeah. does, you know, go on and you just don't want to waste the time that you have left. to the truth and again that's what i'm trying to get out and i want this conversation about the factual truth of this issue to continue on so i really appreciate it if you're talking to any other of your family members or relatives or friends if you could pass the word on about this uh, special truth all right well, there you are. Thank you so much. And uh, I will definitely help you however I can. And um, yeah, I'm still a little like in, in, in wow right now. <laughs> you this know, is wonderful. Just, uh, I learned Thank something so every much. day. Hmm. Yes, well, we're definitely going to have to do a part two some sometime. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the lovely. Margaret O'Connor, and she will be back, but make sure you definitely go and check out the the petition and share it with, and the good thing about the internet, you can just click and share it and pass it along. So please do Take that. Take care, Brandy. Thank, Thank you once you. again for coming and sharing with us. Bye. You too. Talk to you soon. All righty.